Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, We have with us today David Bergstein, my trusted sidekick and partner in crime. Uh, And we're here to interview Mr. Alan Colton. Alan, welcome to to the episode. Thanks for being here. Jason, thanks for having me. David, thanks as well. Great to be part of it. And uh, not that nobody's heard of you out in the uh, profession there, Alan, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, I live a boring life. I hang out with accountants, although I guess it could be worse. I could be with actuarials. Just kidding. I'm I'm (laughs) one of you as well. Uh, I consult to the profession and I've been doing it for four decades. I know that makes me old, but you know, the, the fascinating thing is you do something for 100,000 hours of your life, which I think is about what that number is. And just when you think you've seen it all, uh, something new shows up, uh, whether it's remote workforce, whether it's unique nuances of an individual firm. Um, it's just such an exciting profession. And the great part of it is where we are today. As you know, many of us are coming off our best year or two ever. And uh, one would think that the future is pretty bright. So thanks for having me. No, that's perfect. And, and that's exactly what we want to get into. Um, you know, this episode's all about uh, trends in the profession. And, you know, fresh on our minds is, you know, what are you seeing out there? What's happening with, you mentioned, back to work and the war on talent. Tell us more. Well, those are those are the two things that everyone wants to talk about. The The back to work, I think the disclaimer we have to put out there right away is it's a moving equation. It probably is yet to be determined, but it sure is fascinating at how the firms are approaching it. You know, I was uh, at a firm earlier this week and uh, that particular firm, not only is everybody back, they never left. (laughs) And what you quickly find out is that's the culture of that firm, a highly, highly successful firm. Uh, There are other firms I go to and no one's back. It's completely empty in the office. And um, they probably feel it'll stay like that for some time. Uh, And they're probably trying to figure out how to have less office space going forward. And then there's a third one, and that's probably the majority. It's a hybrid method. Uh, We're open for those that want to come back. Uh, Some have tried as far as to use different incentives to get people to come back. I think the funniest one I saw was, uh, you know, when when there's new things happening, we all, me included, we say and do dumb things. We're testing the market. You know, there was a firm that said, hey, everybody, it's time to think about coming back. And if you come back and you're willing to come back three days a week, we're going to let you keep your own office. And what happened? The managing partner said, nobody responded. (laughs) So he changed it from three three days a week to two days a week. And I think what he found out was that thing called an office just may not be as important as it historically was. And, you know, I think what we're doing is we're learning on the fly and we're getting better at remote. But boy, there there are firms that 
you better get back. The party's over. And there are other firms that say, you know what? We were remote before this even happened. We just hit the on switch and it works. So what I think the strategy today is, if people are coming into the office, give them a good reason to be there. You know, is it training? Is it collaboration? Is it innovation? Is it mentoring? Is it just because when you're sitting there and you can pull someone in an office to be on a call or sit in a meeting? Uh, so we're thinking of, is it because we're going to get everybody together and have a big rally? Um, what is it that's going to drive us? And every market is different. You know, you think about big markets like a New York City and a San Francisco, heavily, heavily dependent on public transportation or an LA where it could be an hour and a half to commute. You know, there are some firms that say we knock that hour and a half two-way commute or three hours out five days a week, that's 15 more hours. We, the firm, is getting five more billable hours and they're getting 10 more hours of their life back. And then you have some that say, well, how do you develop a kid from the bedroom? <laughs> you can't. You got to be in person. So it's it's a lot of discussion. It's, it's sort of reading the tea leaves, talking to our people, trying to figure it out. I was going to ask, do you, do you think that the trend will change, that people, the overall concept is most people will work in a hybrid environment? And if they force people back to work, they'll have that great resignation? Great question, Dave. Um, I think some have learned already the hard way. Uh, you know, the, the second part of this discussion on talent has to be the, the amount of rating that is going on today. I mean, it's staggering uh, talking to firms in what I'll say are maybe smaller markets uh, where bigger markets, not necessarily big firms. I'm seeing small firms in big markets. Um, you know, I'll give the one that I heard most recently, uh, a small firm in L.A. reaching out to someone sitting in Ohio, in Cincinnati and saying, hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, what do you make for your, as a tax manager, I make 90,000. Okay. That's too bad. Cause if you were in LA, that same position pays 130, but it's a different market. What's happening with remote? Well, you know what? I like to grind. I, I, I like to bill. I, I, I'm happy being at home. I'm very efficient. I don't have the commute. I don't have the, the chaos. Um, if you just fed me work, I could give you eight billable hours a day. Wow. Uh, well, what are, what are your employers saying? They're saying, you know what? They'd like us back at work. They just think that that's where the action is and they want us in the office. Hmm. Tell you what, we believe in remote workforce. You're making 90000 where you're at. If you were in L.A., we'd pay you 130 for that same position. What do you say we pay you 130 and you join us and become a remote worker. And what does the person say? Okay, is this a prank call? Like, <laughs> nobody gives away free money. Right. Uh, tell me you're kidding. No, this is real. Here, you can call this number. This is legit. And invariably, the person leaves. Now, the firm that lost that talent might say the following. You know what? They're just chasing price. Uh, someone else is going to offer 20 grand more and they're going to go there. And someone will also tell me, hey, they did that deal. And 20 days later, they called us back and said, I want to come home. Um, it's not what I thought I signed up for. So everybody's got to spin. We're all learning a new thing. 
But make no mistake about it, a big part of the workforce going forward, not for all, but for most, will be a hybrid method with remote being a big part of it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Alan. And and we're seeing that, you know, in, in all kinds of industries, right, that that have the ability to move to that kind of a model. <clears throat> you know, there's obviously some, certain jobs and roles that just they're in person. You work at a grocery store, you work in a warehouse, you know, you got to be there. But in our profession, it is it, the, the trends of, of remote working were already at play. It was the pandemic just accelerated that along with many other trends. Um, but we've all learned how to how to work with technology. Uh, and then, and I think the other thing that's interesting that I'm, that I'm really getting a sense for, and, and really, this is just my own observation, but it feels like employees are really ac- across the board, really taking a stand saying, this is what I want. And like you said earlier, you, you know, the, the, the story about inviting them to come in and keep their office if they're in just a couple of days a week and, and they're voting with their feet and saying, I don't want to. And <clears throat> You know, there there are some firms that, uh, you know, they're they're going to be fine to say, "Hey, look, we're in the office. That's our culture. That's how we roll, and that's how we're going to do this." And you know, that's fine for them. But I think, you know, there's a lot of them that are going to be hybrid or totally remote, just like you said. Yeah, you, you know, Jason, it's it's the key thing is every firm stands on their own. They have their own secret sauce, their success formula. You know, I remember a firm calling me in Western Texas when COVID hit and said, you know anywhere I can find 65 laptops? And I said, did somebody break into your office? Assuming they all had laptops. He said, no, everybody comes to work. Nobody works remotely. Therefore, we don't have any laptops. Uh, But I know we're going to have to do that. Each firm has its culture. There are people that have to be in an office. There are people that will never come back to an office. So, It's all of us sort of now defining and redefining what that culture is. And and once you know it, you're too young probably, Jason, but old guys like me and Dave, we remember, remember the Art Link letter, Cheryl, Dave? And and, and I think it was kids say the darndest things. Well, guess what? Partners say the darndest things. You know, I've been in partner meetings, retreats, where partners say, okay, if they want remote workforce, well, fine. But you know what? We're going to have two pay scales. We're going to have a higher pay scale for those that come in the office and a lower pay scale for those that don't. And then the person paused and thought about it and sort of looked at everyone and said, I think I just said something really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, why do you you feel it's stupid? He says, well, those people will just go somewhere else if we treat them like second-class citizens. So scratch that from the record. (laughs) Yeah. Both both of you brought up the word culture. and firms always say we need everybody in the office because of culture. I think, uh, Alan, you must have some thoughts on that. And culture is changing. So culture is not something that's just in the office. I think it's something firms will change. Dave, you nailed it. You know, I, I'm telling people culture is always changing. We just don't realize it is. You know, when you're a sole practitioner and all of a sudden you become a two or three partner firm and you have you go from three people to 10, culture just changed. When you go from a $5 million firm to a $10 million single office to multi-office firm, when you add consulting, when you, when you add whatever it is, people, partners, mergers, laterals, uh, offices, spread geography, it's always changing. What should never change is our values, right? 
uh, when there's a question of economics and integrity, integrity always wins. When a partner says, I need help, we drop everything we do. We don't talk and have closed door conversations about other people. We go and talk. We have constructive confrontation. We, we talk directly to the people. Um, you know, we, we, that's how we roll. So the values I've asked firms to spend time revisiting, but culture, it's always changing. We're holding on to the past is what we're doing sometimes. We talk about the culture. You know, if you want to build relationships, I've had partners tell me they built better relationships via Zoom because it gave them a window into the bedroom. It gave them a window into the dogs and cats and mm -hmm. kids running around. It allows us to ask in real time with real visual things we never knew to ask. You know, we sat in a cafeteria, we sat in a lunchroom and, and asked basic questions without really knowing what's going on in their life. When we see their face in the home environment, you know, you can tell when someone's stressed. You can tell when someone's not listening. You can tell when someone's preoccupied. What's going on? It gave us this invitation to get to know them in a different way we never did. I love that call out, Alan. You are you are dead on right, and that's something I've observed as well in my role. You know, I've I've thrived over the last you know year and a half in in building new relationships because I can meet with anyone pretty much any time, and there isn't this like oh well we we'll meet up at this conference or that conference, and sure we'll get back to some of that right. I'm looking forward to finally seeing some people that I've met, but yeah, you're you're talking from one home to another about your profession and your craft. And so you're, you're, you're bringing these things together in a, in a intimate, but still professional way. So I want to switch gears and uh, pick your brain a little bit more. It's funny that you mentioned how I'm the younger of the three of us, because in the profession at large, I'm the young guy at 40 years old, but at Intuit, I'm the old guy, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in that time, I've learned a lot about, you know, the trends in the profession, technology, et cetera. But one of the areas that I'd love to, to pick your brain about more and, and share with the audience is what's going on with mergers and acquisitions and private equity. What are you seeing yeah. out there? Well, let's, uh, let's start with private equity because that's probably the, the freshest hot off the press. So we, we finally had a firm break the code. It was called Eisner Amper, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, they sold a part of their firm. Uh, obviously, can't sell the attest part, but they sold a part of the tax and consulting uh, to a PE firm. And I would dare say that I think uh, before the year is over, we'll see a second top 20 firm going the way of private equity. I would guess if we look out to the middle of next year, we could see as many as three or four firms joining private equity. And it brings the big question of why. Why is private equity now in the accounting space? Uh, I will tell you, they've been trying to get in for 15 years, but I think we all looked at private equity and said it's too expensive a form of financing. You know, they want to get a 12, 15% return on their money. And candidly, for a lot of years, we could go to a bank and borrow at one or 2%. Why would we do that? I think what's happened, it's, as we've all talked about, it's the fourth industrial revolution. And it is basically what got us to the dance won't keep us at the dance. I say that with a big asterisk. What's the asterisk? 2020 and 2021, not for all, but for most firms, were our most successful year ever from a profit standpoint. Mm -hmm. Why do I say that? Because I think a lot of us are fat, dumb, and happy. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? 
the only way you get change in an accounting firm is when the change itself is deemed to be better than the status quo. Well, guess what? People aren't thinking about change and thinking about the future when their pocketbook is looking really good. So what, what is going on is compliance service continues to evaporate, uh, whether we call it the bot, whether we call it offshoring or inshoring. We're just getting smarter about how to get the lower end of the food chain work done through technology or a cheaper labor, labor force. And it's not the freak of nature anymore. It's the rule. It's, you know, the, the odd one out is the exception. And, and as that mix changes and we migrate more to consulting and advisory and outsourcing services and wealth management and you name it, um, to buy those companies. Does that mean the face of accounting firms is changing? The people that stay on the test side are going to do... You know, let, let's say a test function, everybody else is really becoming a professional service firm and sky's the limit on the service that the professional firm provides? You know, every, everybody is unique and there's always an exception to the rule. But I would offer up that uh, technology is going to continue to replace the old school auditing we did. Uh, and the new wave of things we will audit will be different. Uh, you know, blockchain, one could argue, eliminates the middleman. <laughs> you know, it's real-time, you know, data. And, you know, I remember sitting with a top 10 firm that was huge in the banking niche and saying, don't you realize eventually they're not going to need us to do that anymore? But because of that, here's the new wave of advisory and consulting and attest-type services. We need to start investing money and building those out. And that's a big reason, I think, moving to the merger frenzy even, is why we're seeing more bigger firms. You know, typical mergers usually involve firms of two to 10 million. If you look at the marketplace today, deals being done by top 100 firms are with firms that are 15 million up to a couple hundred million. Bigger firms have said, you know what? The cost of capital to reinvent this firm, to have the kind of technology to move from compliance to consulting to advisory, the war on talent, to compete for talent, to have this recruiting engine, this mousetrap, to recruit, retain, grow talent. Yeah, it's it's the question is, do we want to do it ourselves? If so, how much is it going to cost? For how long? And then what's the probability of success? You know, if someone's built this out already, maybe we should look at that. So you're seeing more and more of that happening but the whole PE equation is you go out there and you try to acquire larger accounting firms. They're not doing it anymore for the unfunded chain letter. Come join us. No cash at closing. You're going to have to revest. And when you get to 65 or whatever, we'll slowly pay you an ordinary income over 10 years. You come home and say to your spouse or significant other, uh, hey, honey, I, I sold the business today. Oh, that's fantastic. Let's have a party. How big was the check? Well, there actually wasn't a check. Well, there was. I had to actually write a check because my oh. capital account wasn't big enough. I mean, we've been living on this for 40 years. And you're going to now see private equity, and I'm seeing it already with, with larger firms. Cash is part of the currency. And what does that mean? What's going on in the boardrooms of the top 200 firms? Are we going to have, are we going to merge firms or try to do it? basically giving them the same deal we give our partners? Or are we going to give an outsider 
now a better deal than an insider. So when you hear these crazy deals going on, you say, what's going on? What's with the free lunch? Why is it happening? Well, it's actually very strategic. I think firms get to a revenue size and there's a wake-up call. They realize that they can no longer have double-digit growth only through organic growth. Why do you have to have double-digit? Because I think your talent has a gun to their head. If you don't pay them above market wages, you, you can't grow 3% and have to pay your people 7%. The math doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So M&A, we call it the triangle offense. Organic growth, M&A, lateral talent, stealing stars from another firm has become sort of this, this um, you know, uh, three-legged offense, uh, that uh, triple threat, as we call it, that more firms are employing today. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight into the why the private equity, uh, when they're going to buy that $10 million cyber firm and the cyber firm says, I want $12 million and I want cash. But when we're talking to two other PE firms that are willing to pay it, that CPA firm now has the cash to compete. But I think we're also going to continue to see this trend of, you know, you, you circle it all back. It's about the products and services our clients want. There's that next wave coming, technology. One could argue we're now technology businesses. And the second is it's the war on talent. And whatever we thought that bar was, it's just gotten a lot harder because of the disruptors that are in the marketplace. Excellent. Excellent. Really helpful, Alan. Thank you so much. Uh, Last question, then we'll wrap up. If you could give one piece of advice to all of our listeners out there, what, what what would you offer? I would say stop reading your press clippings. I I get it that you are coming off a record year. Well, guess what? You didn't spend anything on travel. You didn't spend anything on travel and entertainment. You didn't spend anything on uh, out-of-town CPE. You didn't spend anything on parking. You didn't spend anything on meals. You didn't spend anything on innovation. I could go on with this list. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what? Uh, This is going to renormalize come 2022. Oh, and we've been blessed with all these tax law changes. So we got more business than we can. The messaging is don't be blinded by today's success. The the market is going to go through a revolution. The industry is going to go through a revolution and we need to evolve from that. And, and, and you know what? Wake up, (laughs) be the tea leaves, be strategic, be forward thinking. Perfect. I think uh, that's a great place to to land us. Thanks for the advice and the insights, Alan. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jason and and Dave. It was a pleasure to be part of this. And kudos to everything that you at Intuit do for the profession. Really appreciate it. Thank you kindly, sir. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2021. Join us for our next episode as we talk to Ron Baker about how firms are transitioning to value pricing from hourly billing.